This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, it was a tale of two cities for the Clarets, as a trip to the capital ended up in a 4-0 defeat before Visit of the Foxes saw a much improved performance. This is the No Name Ever podcast. Anyway, yeah, should we crack on then? Yeah, go on then, Tom. I don't want to spend much time talking about the Tottenham game, I don't know about you. No, it was... Um, Fair to say it was shocking. It was shocking, yeah. I thought you was going to say another word beginning with SH then. But yeah, it was absolutely... Yeah, it was awful. It was just funny because um, my mate triple captain, Harry Kane, in the fantasy team. And he was like, oh, Kane's going to you know score a few here today. And I was like, you know, yeah, we might not win, but we won't get battered. I was, you know, because we've been... Even though we've not been... You know, normally fluent. We've been pretty solid of late, and then that first half an hour, in well, the first all game really, and the first half was just absolutely awful. You know, and the first goal we conceded, you know, I just looked, you know, I I just looked over to my dad and just went like, "What's happened?" I th- it was just straight. It was so easy, wasn't it? It's not often you see us <coughs> playing offside. Yeah, I don't know. How often do you see us playing offside track like that? Everyone trying to step up. It just doesn't happen. So. Either he's told them to do that, in which case it was a bad shout, they should have worked on it, or they just took it upon themselves to do it. I, I yeah, it was strange. And normally, and then, like one say, that's tried our cell phone. Sorry, say that again, Tom. No, I, say, I was just going to say that set the tone, didn't it, for the afternoon conceding that early. But yeah, you yeah. No, it just said, like you were saying about the offside trap, what seemed odd was um, me and Lowton steamed to step up and attacking Taylor dropped deep. And played him on side, so we wasn't in sync at all. And and as you were saying, that that's really like us. One 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 thing I felt was, is that we defended higher than we normally do. We seem to be, you know, a few yards further up the pitch, and and that first goal just epitomised it. You know, it's kind of just a you know a regulation ball in behind the tapping. You one nil down, and I think you know sometimes with our record, especially against the big clubs, you know, going one nil down early on. You know, the the game was dead already, wasn't it? I think that was one of the problems. Like you say, we play, we're playing a bit higher. We've got nothing to hang on to. We're two minutes in and it's already gone. So we've got to push up a bit if we want to try and get one in the first half. And then that, then you get the gaps. 
The other thing for me was as well, I've seen Luton getting criticised for the second, you know, that ball from Bale. And I mean, by the way, you can yeah. win where you want. That ball is absolutely world class, you know. Yeah. Just, you've got space in behind, fair enough. But to pick out a 90 yard pass right onto the England captain's toe, I mean, sometimes you've got to hold your hands up. But yeah, I've seen Luton getting criticised for that. The problem that we, we've got down that side, I think, at the minute, with good Munson and Brady injured is. Brown can't cross the ball. So if you want anything coming down that right hand side, Logan's got a bomb on and he's been playing like that the last few weeks. But if he's going to bomb on and he, he and he needs someone on that right hand side to put a ball in and he's got to put him 20 yards further up the pitch, then you're going to get caught out like that. If, you know, if you've got to leave that space there, it's just an inevitability. And good teams or good players, you know, I don't, like, I agree with you. We were talking earlier. I don't think Tottenham are, are any great shakes this season, but. They've got players like, you know, if you've got a front three of Son, Kane and, and Bale and you give them space and time, you're all going to hear you. It doesn't matter what happens. And, and that is, that's what we saw. Yeah, you know, I can't, as you said there, Tom, I don't think you can blame Lowton at all. At the end of the day, probably our main threat is getting the ball wide and, and, and getting crosses into the box. And, and that's what Lowton tried to do. And like you said, it was a magnificent ball from Bale. A little bit of luck, maybe in the finish, took that deflection to go past Pope. But that's, but that's that difficult one, isn't it, where, you know, it's that gamble. Daesh obviously loves playing 4-4-2, and I think overall we are the most successful playing 4-4-2. But I think if you're asking to, the full-backs to go up, but you're not playing that extra man in midfield who can cover for the full-back if they then go up, I think it just exposes the back four a little bit and just leaves that, you know, so much, so much space. And as you were saying, um, you know, Tottenham maybe structurally aren't, a great side this season. But when you've still got world-class players like that who can hurt you, you know, they can just change the game, you know, at any second. And like you said, I thought actually, you know, 1-0 down, we got back into the game. We was playing some nice football. Jay had that chance where he maybe took an extra touch. And I think it went out for a corner. And like, you know, like I was saying, we was probably defending too high because we conceded early. You're trying to get back into the game and that's where you leave extra gaps. You know, counter that to when we played Liverpool and we won one nil. You know, when because it, it was nil nil for so long, we was hanging on for something. So everybody was kind of defending in our own half. And in the end, obviously, we managed to get one. And you know, I think just that sloppy first goal where we didn't know whether it was playing offside or onside. We wasn't in a line. It just killed as I think Daish alluded to it in his interview. Just killed our absolute game plan. Where when you go away to these big clubs, you want to try and keep it tight early on, and then go into the game as it goes on. Yeah, it set the tone, didn't it? That was the thing. And then, like you say, you're caught between trying to chase the game. Probably thinking as well, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm thinking, Tottenham uh, are beatable this season, or at the very least, you can go and get points off them at, at the Tottenham Oxford Stadium. Maybe if that's, say, I don't know, Man City, Chelsea, Man City's not a good example, but Liverpool, Chelsea, someone like you go 1-0 down early, you're probably thinking more, let's just dig in for 20 minutes, uh, you know, and, and just keep it at 1-0. And try and come back in later, but maybe the, the thinking was Tottenham this season are a bit more easy to get at. Um, but yeah, obviously didn't pay off. And uh, that's God, that second half, it was like watching like a bloody training game, wasn't it? It was, it was uh, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I've got all something inside, I've got something inside me. It's the same when I go to the game live, I can't even know the game's dead and it's 4 0, I can't turn it off. I don't know if you're the same. I feel like the obliged to <laughs> yeah. watch it. It's kind of like that that strange kind of self-torture that you put yourself through that, you know, it's kind of a bit of, well, you know, it's it's easy to support them 
when they're playing well and winning. So every now and again, you just got to sit through one and suffer through it. Um, yeah, like you said, that you know, I I was just thankful that the score did stay at four. You know, because at one point I was thinking, you know, this could get to six or seven here, and it could get really really embarrassing, and and that can obviously a and you know a negative knock on effect to the games coming up, but. Yeah, it's just kind of like painful to watch. To be honest, Tom, you're talking about the goals. I can't even remember the third and fourth goal. I think with the game happening last night, and I've literally just come off watching Fulham. I think I've just blanked it from my memory. Who scored the? F- I think Mora scored one. I don't know who scored the fourth. Did Bale get another? I can't remember. Yeah, he was at the ball across the pitch, and he's about thirty yards outside of Taylor, and just put him in there. It was a good finish, to be fair. Just bent it the far corner. But uh, yeah, yeah. But the the less you remember them, the better. To yeah. be fair, that's probably the best way to be. Park it, move on. Park it, move on. Yeah. Now I'm just going to say Richardson coming on at the end. Like I don't know about you. Every time I hear his name, I hear that he's meant to be really good. He's, he's really highly rated. So it's nice to see him get a couple of minutes and he put himself about a bit, won a couple of corners. You know, good for him to, to get some minutes as well. Hopefully, we'll see a bit more of him. I don't know what you think about uh, Mumbongo. Like. He, he looks like lively when he comes on, but I've not seen him do an awful lot. So it's nice to, to no. think that you've got another option there to play, yeah, to play centre forward. Yeah, it's interesting. You was you was you you mentioned Mumbongo then because I was going to do a bit of the cap comparison of the two. Obviously, like you were saying, Tom Richardson's the name that you've heard popping up over the last couple of years, scoring goals. I think he's been involved in England youth teams as well. So obviously, he's he's got talent. And when he come on, my initial thought was, bloody hell, doesn't this lad look young? He was scrawny as anything, weren't he? But then, like you said, he come on, ran the channels a couple of times. And I think sometimes when you see a player come on, you think that, oh, they've got something about them. You know, the way he just moved the ball, he, man- he manipulated it. Again, it's very, very early days and I don't want to get carried on. And But you do think there's something there. I think it was similar. I think, you know, I think my memory's right. I think McNeil come on quite late on, last game of the season to Bournemouth, the season we come seventh, and he only come on for 10 minutes. But but you thought, you know what, this lad's got something. And it, and, it remind, and Richardson's cameo reminded me of that. When, you know, compared to when I've seen other players come on, I thought, you know what, they look a little bit out of depth. Um, you know, and going back to Mumbongo, he, he come on and made a difference against MK Dons. Obviously, you know, League One standard. And every time I've seen him come on in the Premier League, he looks way out of his depth, in my opinion. He's obviously got a bit of raw pace and power, but technically wise, you know, he looks way off at the ball. It's kind of like bobble him off him and stuff like that. And the thing is with Mumbongo, he's not like he's a spring chicken. I think he's 22. So I would act- you would actually mm. expect more technically of somebody of his age. And I think it's been interesting. I'd... I think Richard Mumbongo's fit because he scored for the under-23s. So, in the last couple of games, Dice seems to prefer uh, uh, given Richardson an opportunity on the bench instead of Mumbongo. So, uh, yeah, it's good signs for the future again. I think with him, it may do him good to have a loan spell next season. But I definitely think there's something there. And fully agree, Tom. That was the only real positive to come out of that game for me. Yeah, a bit of something to take away anyway. But thankfully, there's a few more positives to talk about. The other game uh, last night, as we we're recording, yeah. it was uh, one apiece with Leicester. I, to, be, uh, to be honest, the point's a good point. If you look at where they are in the league uh, and their away form, especially if they've only lost once away all season. But with uh, the players they had missing, I think we all thought we had a chance before the game and probably in the end should have won it. 
probably the, the better team, I would have said. Yeah, it's just kind of a fun... I, in the initial aftermath of the game, I was disappointed that we didn't get the win. I think going... I think, you know, that Tottenham game, we wasn't even competitive. And the turnaround, yes, Leicester had injuries, but they still had some very, very good players on the pitch. Defensively, they looked all over the show, but, you know, Tillemans, Vardy, you know, still got some quality players. And for probably till 70 minutes of the second half, we actually battered them. And I mean, battered them. You know, you look at the possession stats, I think we was like 65 to 35. And, and, and an all possession doesn't mean everything. But you but you look at the quality of chances we have, and even the goal really, it, it was a you know you can pick holes in it, but it was it was a great finish, a great ball, and other than that Tillerman shot at the end that hit the post, they didn't really create that many chances. So I, I was like you, Tom, I was disappointed in the initial aftermath, but then after reflecting on it, after the recent performances after the Tottenham loss, imagine if we played them with injuries and we got battered three nil again. So, yeah, I was really, really pleased with the performance and it's just kind of frustrating that we don't write. And, and again, I know that's football and it's sport and, and the human beings, but when you see us play like that against a very good side, it's frustrating that we produce such dross against West Brom and Tottenham. Yeah, West Brom especially. And then you think Brighton and Fulham as well. I mean, Brighton would play well, but you think Fulham or West Brom, if we'd have had that performance, we'd have had three, three big points. But we've always yeah. been like that and we've always been a streaky team. I think people forget sometimes, even like the year we come seventh, I think around Christmas, I think we went to death like seven, eight, maybe it was even 10 games without a win, something ridiculous yeah. like that. And then we followed it up with five wins yeah. and it's been. So I think we are a team that, because we've, especially because we've got such a lack of strength in depth, a couple of injuries does really throw us out. Like we haven't got a player like Wood, for example, like the difference Wood made last night when he came in, I thought. Bully in the centre halves, like you say, they were. Better. I mean, that's Soyuncu. Spent more time on the floor than than in the air because Wood absolutely had the beating of him. He yeah. him. So and like you yeah. don't get that from Rodriguez. You're not going to get that from Vidra. So and that, that is a big part of how we play when we need to be a bit more direct. You know. Uh, so and and the, the wings is an obvious one as well. Like I say, the Tottenham game. I don't think Lowton's getting caught out like he like he was if you've got Goodmanson or uh, or Brady there in front of him. So. I think I really think we're, and it's true of a lot of teams in the league. You know, look at Palace without Zaha. I mean, if Man United didn't have Fernandez, mm. they'd be about fifteenth, I think. So, so it's true of a lot of teams that if you take a couple of players out, you look a lot different. But, um, but yeah, it, uh, that's part of the reason we're so streaky. I think is good form and uh, form and, and absence of a couple of players does make a big difference. But, uh, but it is what yeah. it is. You know, it's, there's a reason we're not a top ten consistent team. And, and it is consistent to it. I think you made a few good points here, which I'll kind of dissect and pick out. First one was Wood. And as you know, Tom, I've been more critical of Wood than I think more of the known and ever panel this season. And But yesterday, for me, yeah. I know he didn't score, which was very unlucky not to. That was his best game of the season by a million miles, in my opinion. He, he bullied the centre-arse. He looked more physical. One thing I've always said is that technically... He can be awful and give really easy ball away. He was laying the ball off well. He was running the channels and he was a genuine goal threat. And I think he linked up with Vidra. And I think it just shows that, I think we've seen a little bit of a pattern this season when players have actually had an injury and come back into the team with a bit of a break. They've they've actually put in some really good performances. McNeil had that bit of a break, come back in the team and, 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 and he played really well. Same with Wood last night. I thought... Um, 
So I thought his performance was a massive, massive boost. I thought Vidra was excellent. Obviously, that he seems a real confidence player, and that goal gave him a lot of confidence. I thought those two really run Leicester ragged last night. Um, going to the point you mentioned, Tom, about injuries, absolutely, it's massive. I think you look at every team this season has had injury problems. And the one team who's been consistently performing is Man City. And that's because of the squad they've got. Because, like, De Bruyne got injured, but then Gundogan set, stepped up. I think something that's been really crucial to me, and I think a lot of people have missed this off, we were playing some really good football. Goodmanson was going, was, was playing at his best. Since he went off at Fulham, our performance levels have dropped. And it's not just because of him getting injured. It's disrupted the whole balance of the team. Brownell's a very good player, but he's just not a right winger. So, as you were saying, missing him probably contributed to that second goal not going in. Against West Brom, we missed that creativity where the, where the play was breaking down sometimes. Um, but it was nice to see us getting back to it last night, putting in a you know a, a much better performance. I just want to mention Jack Cork. Um, you know, people on Twitter still, like, criticise Cork. And I'm like, do you actually... Are you watching the same game that I'm watching? Like Court last night, I can't remember it. He gave the ball away once. He was a fantastic link between the you know the defence and the attack. Spreads to play well. In my opinion, he's still our best centre mid. Um, you know, I think Westwood is you know is a combative player, works hard, but gives the a lot of easy ball away. But um, so that's kind of like my point to summarise that. I, I know I will go on it a little bit more, but um, yeah, I think Wood coming back was a massive help. Um, Vidra played really well but again going back to other games and, and inconsistencies injuries and balance of the team you know, re- really contribute to that Yeah that's a good point about Cork I think you noticed our midfield settled down a lot when he's since he's been back fit he's one of them players like if you don't, especially when you're not in the stadium I think that does make a difference watching it on telly but especially with the Sky by the way yeah. the Sky camera wear last night how many times yeah. were they showing a replay or a, a zooming on Brendan Rodgers for half a minute when someone was attacking. Camera work was absolutely shocking. So no surprise you wouldn't have noticed that Jack Cork's doing off the ball. My dad went mental at that. Yeah, so frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. My dad goes mm. mental about that. He's like, what are they doing? It's like, yeah. <laughs> they like showed an, an up-close footage of, like you said, of Rodgers. It's like, mm. I, I don't give one. I just want to see what, what's going on in the game. Mm. And then next minute, Pope took a free kick and their centre-halves have got it. You probably feel our Pope smashed it way too long. Uh, but, yeah, that's another one. Yeah. He's not like he's even that good looking, is it? I mean, if it was Scott Parker or something, I could understand. But... No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, there's things like that. Watching it on telly, you don't see court, what Court brings to the team. But, yeah, like you say, very sort of neat and tidy, links it all together, puts his cell about. I think Brownhill is still sort of... Uh, I think he's learning how to play in a two in our system and he's a good player, technically a very good player. But he's, yeah, like you said, the right wing's not his best position. But I think if it were me, I'd be sticking with uh, with Cork and, and Westwood for the, for the rest of the season. Um, what did you think to the Woods Vidra part? Has touched on it already. Like, w- would you stick with that for the next few games? Because I don't think Rodriguez mentioned it before, is, whether he's tired or what, but he's not, he's not had a good season really, has he, overall? No, when you you know going to you know going to J Rod, I think post lockdown he was our best player, um you know in in that run into the season and he had a you know obviously scored early against Palace. I thought he had a good game there and obviously did a 
a great bit of skill uh, for the Barnes equaliser at, at Fulham. And listen, I think we all love J Rod, don't we? We've all, you know, being a Burnley lad, we've all got a soft spot for him. If you would have known a never panel team have done the fans' memory, so I think you're going to be next on that, Tom. <laughs> that you're next on the list. I haven't been invited yet. I must be waiting. Yeah, all right. Yeah, he, he's just not been quite on it. Um, and like, like I thought, Wood and Vidra were brilliant last night. It definitely does help if you know. Obviously, probably playing against the type of centre half Wood played against last night does enable him to win a lot more ball. And if we are winning the aerial battle, that's what our attacking play is build, built on. But Vidra is such a, an, an enigma, isn't he, of a player? Like last night and against Brighton second half, he was playing like he was six foot five, bullying centre-hours, running in behind, great touches. And then he has other games where he looks weak as a, you know, as, as a mouse. I think, I think Dice mentioned it in his interview sometimes. With Vidra, he can give up a little, not 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 give up and stop trying, but he just doesn't believe in himself enough. But I, I think when he's playing well, he's a fantastic player. Um, I probably would have agreed with you though last night, Tom, and actually had Jay starting with Wood and bring Vidra off the bench. Um, but I think with the way he played on um, last night, I think he's got to start this weekend. And I think the game plan that we had against Leicester, we can definitely mirror it against Arsenal, you know, there's a difference between a long, just a hoot, like a hopeful long ball into anywhere and a long pass. Something I'd have noticed we did more last night, Pope actually rolled the ball out to his centre-half more, got it to the full-back, and we hit a ball into the channel to give something for Vidra and Wood to run onto, and then we can play off that rather than just a hopeful hope, you know, just a hopeful long ball from Pope who's kicking, you know, can be inaccurate to say at times so yeah 100% I definitely start them two on Saturday and I think with Vidra getting the goal and Wood coming in playing so well I think those two will be full of confidence and I know Dice said in his press conference today that he is going to make calls on Goodmanson and Brady for me Brady can stay in Dublin if he wants to even if he's fit I'd still play Brownell I know he's your mate, Tom, but fingers crossed even if Goodmanson comes off the bench against Arsenal I just hope we've got that option yeah, I do like Brady, but he... no, I'm being harsh on Brady though. But bloody hell, he was bad, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. He was bad, wasn't he? Against he's Fulham, been up to, like, five or six, to be fair to him, yeah, I think he could probably do with another one or two games just to just to ruminate on that. Thanks for mentioning that I said we should start Rodriguez and Wood. By the way, <laughs> to get that one in there, didn't you? After five minutes, he's like nicking it around the centre off and smashing but, it in the top corner. I said I agreed with you. <laughs> yeah, you did. To be fair, yeah. No, but I said I would have started him too. So I did just. You know, so <laughs> yeah, no. But that's the dice way in it. You know, I, I think there was a game where I think it was Wolves at home where we hadn't won for a little bit, and Wood and Barnes were started, and I and I was fuming, and then Wood and Barnes both score. <laughs> so I think what's interesting about kind of like what's interesting about football and you know sport in general is as when players are in the team. And, and then they come out the team with injuries or whatever, you actually realise why they're playing. You know, for, so for me, like I said, I've, you know, I've criticised Wood this season. And actually when he's been out of the team, I do understand why Dice sees him as his number one striker. And I know Vidra had a good game last night, but Barnes to a certain extent, because he does win those fouls. And when we are under pressure, he does get us up the pitch. You know, and I think Cork coming back into the team, you can see why Dyche probably rates him as his number one centre mid. Um, 
Do you get where I'm coming from with yeah, that point? Uh, yeah, definitely about Cork. I know sometimes like players look better the longer they don't play, the more you sort of clamour for them. But yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, I think the way we are especially is we're a sum of our parts, aren't we? It's not just that I have an individual. So when you've got players who really complement the roles well, then yeah, taking them out it, it does make a big difference. And it goes back to what I was saying about one or two injuries, especially when we've got such a limited squad and we've got we can't really pick. We don't seem to be able to pick transfers that, that fit that kind of pattern so well, then, uh, yeah, it does make a big difference. So, yeah, 100%. I wanted to mention, uh, I'm interested to see what you think about this. So, obviously, we know Vidra took his goal really well, the mistake from uh, from that Chowdhury, who has a shocker every time he plays against us, by the way. I was delighted seeing him play. Um, yeah, it was awful. Yeah, wasn't it? not good. Not a good player. So Vidra, I thought he took his goal fantastically well. But uh, and all the all the talk I saw after the game now wasn't about his finish. It was about Ianacho's. Now I, I'd love to know what you think about this goal. So there's two schools of thought. I think if you're a pundit or you're a neutral, you're thinking, yeah, to watch that follow over your shoulder, catch it on the volley, and put it in the corner. That is great technique. But for me, I'm tearing my hair out watching that. Two reasons. One, you've got Ndidi bringing out a defence. Now, fair enough, you know, he's got a lot to do from where he is in the centre circle. But two centre forwards just watching him stroll up with it until it's too late. And he's a midfielder that, you know, he's not. it's not like this is Johnny Evans coming out of defence who can't pass a ball. It's a midfielder playing at the back who can pick these passes. And that's what he, he normally brings a lot to the team doing that. So to let him off that run and to pick that pass in the first place, that frustrated me. But then the second thing, that finish, yeah, all right, fair play. It is difficult to, to catch it well when it's coming over your shoulder like that. But Pope is in no man's land for me. He's come halfway off his line. He's not got near enough to block the shot, but he's left so much of that goal to aim at. The reason Ianacho's finished that is not because he's caught it fantastically well for me. It's dropped on his toe and it's trundled into the corner. Now, if he's going to score with that, he's got to really hit that in the top corner if the keeper's positioning's right. But because the Pope's come out and showed so much of the goal mm-hmm. to him, all he's got to do is make contact for me. And he knows that. And that's why he's took that first down for me. So for, for me, although it was it was decent technique, that is a cheap goal to concede. I'd be interested to know what you think. Yeah, just before I give my point, if Vidra scored that goal, Tom, would you be more raving about it? Or would you say it was a, a scuffy finish and the keeper should have done better if he <laughs> scored that goal? Well, I, I don't rate uh, Schmeichel's positioning very often, you know. I thought, I, I always go back to that Ross Wallace free kick in the last minute where he's give Wallace, a, Wallace about, you know, the, two-thirds of the goal to aim at in the last minute. And that was what Pope did for me. Yes. He's given two-thirds of the goal to aim at, so that doesn't have to be a great finish. Yeah. I mean, like I say, I'm not taking anything away from the technique to hit it first time over your shoulder like that but it's not as if he's hit it with venom into the top corner he's just hit it on target and that's all he has to do for me yeah so going to you know going, I know I was playing devil's advocate there but going back to the first one yeah I, it's not something I, I actually thought about too much but yeah now now you mentioned it we should have closed Ndd down more I think obviously the way we defend this we're probably like well we're quite happy for the centre half to take the ball to the halfway line and maybe try and pick up the midfielders uh, but yeah, I thought it was a good point, and you know, and 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 is a very very good player. I thought when he actually went into the midfield the last twenty minutes or so, Leicester looked a far better side. 
you know, because I think he is one of the, actually, in his position, one of the best in the league. Going to the finish, initially, I, I, I fully agreed. We, I, was, I watched it and gone, like, what's Pope doing there? He's kind of, like you said, he was in no man's land. There's no getting away from it. And, he, and, he's, and he's not a good goalkeeper. Uh, not good goalkeeping. But then my, but then my mate, who, who's a goalie, he doesn't listen to the No Name Ever podcast. So I will blow blow a bit of smoke, smoke up his ass, even though I, I wouldn't do normally. He He's a good goalie. So he does play semi-pro. But what he said to me was, because I know nothing about goalkeeping, he said, nine, he said about 95% of the time, Ian Acho takes a touch there. And then if he takes a touch, Pope's in the perfect position to smother him and make the save. He said a lot of goalkeeping is anticipation. So you're trying to read where the where the striker or where the attacker's going to go and where the ball's going to go. And he said that he's just been completely caught out by, you know, the technique from Ian Acho. So initially I was in the same boat as you, Tom, where I thought the goal was because of a Pope mistake. But on reflection, and maybe you know, maybe he's biased because he's in the goalkeepers' club. I know, you know, goalkeepers never make mistakes, do they? It's you know, it's never their fault. But I think sometimes you, you have. I think it was a good finish. You know, it it was a great ball. I think it was a great run off Ianacho in the first place. He's caught me on his heels a little bit. I don't necessarily think it's bad defending either. I think it's just a really good run, and he's probably in the corner of his eye seeing Pope come off his line a little bit too fast, and he's obviously just caught it sweetly. And I think what was frustrating was, I think there was about a 10-15 minute period after we scored that I thought Leicester were going to equalise. But then but then leading up to that goal, we seemed to get in our shape better. As I mentioned earlier, we were defending a little bit deeper, which we're comfortable with. I thought early on in the game, we were giving Leicester's wing-backs too much space and I thought we were pressing too high. Um, but that's what was frustrating, is that I was looking comfortable and the goal come out the blue. I actually felt like once the game settled down and it was got into a pattern that we was going to win 1-0. So, yeah, that was a bit of a frustration more than anything for me on my part. And at the end of the day, you know, Pope's been unbelievable for us. So, uh, yeah, it is. It's one of them. I, I, I can't disagree with what you are saying. Obviously, getting a bit of analysis from a keeper, I can understand why Pope was in that position. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, interesting way of looking at it, I suppose, because they were saying on match today, like, Nine times out of ten, when you catch that, it goes in the stand or something. So I suppose when you think that's nine times out of ten when you hit it, and then you've got, like you say, nine times out of ten, you take a touch as well. I suppose if you're playing the percentages, yeah, that makes sense. And it's one of them where if he does happen to catch it, then it makes you look silly, but it's how it goes. Fair enough, yeah, an interesting way of thinking about it. I hadn't thought of that. That's just a, just, a, just a quick one. That's the difference, isn't it, between, you know, obviously both of us, Tom, of, you know, I think the majority of our Burnley watching has been in the Championship, and that's the that's those little moments of quality that you don't get against some of the weaker sides in in that level. You know, though these top teams, when when you feel like you're comfortable in a game, they can you know when you've got quality players like Ndidi and Iheanacho, they can just create a goal in a split second out of nothing, and you know when it's one all, you know it's similar to Tottenham, like you were saying. You know, we was having a bit of possession. Bale gets the ball, plays an unbelievable pass to Kane. You're all of a sudden out of position. And then you've got one of the best strikers in Europe coming down on, on your goal and it's 2-0 and game over. So, you know, that's the difference in the level sometimes, isn't it? And, you know, you can yeah. analyse it to the ill and sometimes you can go, you know what, they're just sometimes they're just top players, you know, and, and that's the reason we're 15th and the third, I think, still Leicester. 
Yeah, so, yeah, that's it. I think we did forget about some, you know, some of us did forget that, like that they are third as well and they've got this kind of record. At the end of the game, you know, we're all a bit frustrated that we hadn't took advantage of that 15, 20 minutes at the start of the second half. But then, like you say, if you take it in isolation, they have got some top players still out on that pitch. Thought we did a good job on Vardy. I know he's not got the service from Madison and Barnes, but barely saw him all night. So, yeah, yeah, you have, you have got to... Uh, Hold your hand up sometimes. Yeah, we marked him really well. You said in our group chat, Tom, that you felt if Madison or Barnes was played, they they may have had enough to win the game, especially late on when they was putting us under pressure. Yeah, I did think it's what for me it's that last little bit of quality in the final third. So I think a lot of it drops to Telemans, and he he's a good player, and I've seen him score some good goals, but he's more of a sort of. Uh, a, a number eight for me, not a number ten. So I de- like there was a, a ball in behind where he has a touch, and then he has another touch, and it just gets smothered. And, and you, I was thinking, if that's Vardy, or that's Barnes, or that's Madison, that's going in the net. Um, and I think that's they could have what they could have done was was having. I was just thinking this about before we could do with one before playing number four and one before playing number ten. They could have done with Tealand, like you know, a Tealand sat and or you know, and a Thiel- someone to play that number ten role in that. You know, in uh, in his stead, kind of thing, and and I do think like the last sort of twenty minutes, they had they had the chances, they had that more quality on the ball. So I do think if one of them had been in there um, to to maybe just play that final pass a bit better, then that it might have been the difference. And uh, you know, that, there's even that one. I think was it? I think it was Tillman who had the shot, and it gets deflected onto the post. Uh, I know we were unlucky with Westwood's yeah, shot as yeah. well, but. Yeah, they, you got to think about those things as well. So you can easily say, well, we should be beating them and there's no Barnes and there's no Madison, but we could have just as easily lost that game, um, especially if there was a Barnes or a Madison. So, yeah, on reflection, I think we we can come away from that with a point and, and be quite happy with, uh, with the evening's work, especially uh, we're talking now just after Fulham have, have just got beat. So we've gained a point on, on the bottom, on the bottom yeah, uh, yeah. three after playing one of the top three teams in the league. So, I think when you look at it like you've got to be happy with the outcome overall. Going back to your point against Leicester, is that final third, um, that that's something that we lack. Is you do all that good build-up play, and how often do we see that it, that it just breaks down? And then you go back to a top team like Leicester, you take a couple of their best players out, and, and they lack it too. And that's the difference, isn't it, between the players we've got and you're looking at Barnes, who's obviously had, had an outstanding season, and Madison, players who are worth 50, 60 million compared to 15, 20 million pound players. The you know the difference is just that little bit of killer instinct or a little bit of extra quality, you know, to you know to provide and, and, and get that goal and ultimately turn draws into wins. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, only a quick point from me, probably before we move on to something else. Uh, I don't know what you think about this. I've not really seen other people mention it, but. So did he did he see the highlights from the Sheffield United Villa game the uh, the red card that Jagielka got? No. For the, the last match. No, sorry, I didn't see it. So. No, no, fair enough. Why would you? <laughs> so the, you've got a fella. Um, so Jagielka brings this lad down. Maybe he's like 10, 15 yards from from the edge of the box, and you've got a uh, Sheffield United player sort of on the far side who could come round and across. You've got a Sheffield United player chasing it. He gets a booking for a foul. But then the ref looks at it on the monitor and, and he, because at the time of the tackle, he's sort of in line with the last man on the on the far side, even though he's got a good sort of 20, 30 yards to go to goal. And he gets a straight red. Now, for me, it was quite a harsh red card. But 
uh, it made me think of an incident in our game, probably about 15, 15 minutes left, something. Uh, Vidra, get, Vidra gets goal side of Fafana, and he just grabs him and pulls him down, mm. just on the edge of the box. Now, for me, Vidra get, and it, I think the reason that Fafana doesn't go is because the ball is an awkward one, so it's up and looping, and it, it's a difficult one to touch first time. But say if Vidra's first touch there is as good as Iheanacho's is from, from his looping ball in the first half, he's through for me. And Fafana's making no attempt to play the ball. All he does is grab him and pull him back because he knows that he's, he's letting him get goal side. And I was a bit surprised that, at the very least, there wasn't a VAR check on that to, to see whether that should have been a straight red. I don't know if it's... Because I haven't seen many people talking about it, and I don't know if that's maybe just me. But, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to know what you thought of that one. Yeah, I seen you mention it last night on Twitter, Tom. And because, unfortunately... I think once Burnley finished and I was quite happy with the draw, I switched off from football a little bit last night um, after we played. So I didn't see the Jagielka result, uh, sorry, the red card, so I can't really compare. Me personally, Tom, I didn't quite think it was a red card that Fafana won because of the one you mentioned, because, you know, the bouncing ball. I I still think there was a lot for Vidra to do there for you to actually say it's a clear red card. But then going back to what you were saying about Jagielka, I think, with VAR, it's just a consistency, isn't it? Mm. That's not, that's kind of still not, 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 not happening. There was an handball given uh, to Brighton in that West Brom game, um, and then, but we didn't get the handball against Bartley. To me, which was just an absolute stonewaller all day long. So I think, you know, and 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 then you've seen tonight. Obviously, it's benefited us, and obviously the rules, the rule. Um, I think Davison Sanchez just smashed it off of Fulham's player arm, it's bobbled to Madger and he scored and, and that's handball. So I think the handball rule has changed so many times this season. That's another one with VAR. Um, and, and kind of like, I think the problem, you know, going into a deeper issue, like you were saying, Tom, you may have thought that Fafana one was a red card. I didn't. I think there's so many subjective decisions in football compared to other sports. You know, I, I've been watching the test a bit of the test match this morning where it's kind of more black and white in sports like cricket, or I just don't think it lends itself to football the same because there's so many different variables. It, it's so subjective. Um, and, uh, and, and and I actually feel that it's made the standard of officiating worse with VAR because of the not understand, because they're really unsure on what decisions to make. And I think all that um, palaver with Lee Mason, with that free kick, that dunk scored, or didn't score, then scored, then didn't score, just epitomised the whole season and the whole of VAR for me. So I'm kind of took on your point to to a to a to a further level, um, and and I think it's just the consistency of it, isn't isn't it, Tom? That people are scratching their heads. Well, you give a red card for that. That's not a red card. You're giving a ball for that, but you don't give an ball for this. Well, that's a red card. That's not. That's a pen. Um, just get rid of VAR for me, personally. I'm really, really, really not a fan of it. No, the problem is uh, it's the same bad refs who are, who are viewing it, whether it's on a telly or whether it's real time, I suppose, isn't it? I mean, we won't get <laughs> yeah. the whole VAR thing. That's time. the truth, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We'll wait until we get really screwed over like we did in the Leeds game to have a proper go into VAR, but I've never been a fan. I haven't brought it in, so yeah, you, you, you're preaching to the converted, damn it. I think next thing to maybe talk about moving on from the game is uh, the fan survey um, I know yourself and uh, and Mr Steele as well have got some 
from uh, views on this. If anyone's not seen it, we should direct them to. Uh, it'll be on the Twitter feed on the club website. I think we have seen that there's been supporter surveys before. I think people talking about it like it's a new thing from uh, from Pace. I, I've seen Garlic put a few out before as well, but it is obviously I guess it's the first one with a new chairman, so it's perhaps a bit more impactful and a bit more wide ranging as well. Certainly, the first time I've been asked about uh, what we think about the levels of first team investment. Um, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it and wants to, to put their points across, I will definitely get over to that and and get that filled out. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, if your first thoughts on on the supporter survey, Rich? What I, I presume you filled it out. What what sort of uh, what was the general level of feedback that you uh, that you gave to the club? Yeah, so I filled it out once. Didn't it didn't save properly on my phone, so I, I went back on my laptop and did it again. Uh, so I think I've done it twice. So that's why I was kind of talking about it yesterday, and you know we brought up a few different range of topics. And I, what I would just recommend is, you know, just go and do it. Uh, you know, uh, at least a new board are willing to listen to fans, and and, and you're willing to have your say. There was a wide range of questions there. Some questions that interest me won't interest you, Tom. And, and that'll be the same for all fans because people obviously have different opinions on what they think is important and non-important. But just go away and you know and answer it. Obviously, there was just loads of different factors: food and drink, hospitality, advertising boards, um, kind of Clavets Plus, ticketing. Which I think me and you we're not going to say what it is, but I think me and you both agreed on the same thing, didn't we? For, t- for ticketing. <laughs> yeah, George isn't on, so I think we can. We, we we should start that. Yeah, we'll wait until he's on, and we can talk about loyalty points in a bit more <laughs> in a bit more detail, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it suits us, doesn't it, Tom? The current system, so we're happy. <laughs> so obviously, there was little boxes in the other comment. So in my final box, I said this. I thought I'll have not not a little rant, but hope if they're reading it properly, they should have seen it. So what I put is. At the end of the day, improving match day experiences are well and good, but by far the most important is winning games and staying in the Premier League and improving as a club. The lack of investment into the first team the last two seasons has been abysmal and the recruitment has also been very basic and limited. We need new players to stay in the league. As the new board, this should be our most important priority, not worrying about food and drink to serve or if there is enough half-time entertainment, Richard Steele. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head with, with what I thought about it. I mean, I suppose, the, I suppose uh, what you've got to think about really is, I guess, the board aren't that bothered what you think about the first team. They've got their own experts for that. They've got the manager in there. And, uh, you know, uh, might, I say experts might rig to, to yeah, speak to yeah, that so. transfers. So I guess... Uh, I guess it makes sense <laughs> to really go in on to, to detail about the you know the food and drink etc at the ground with the fans because because we're the people who are most directly impacted by it. But yeah, I think we're of uh, of the same mind with regards to this. I'm not really that bothered that the Wi-Fi is not really good at the turf. I you know I'll, I'll eat before the game or after. I, I don't have to come and buy a, a red hot peppered steak pie for four quid that I can get down Tesco for £1.50 or whatever before the game. That sort of thing doesn't really interest me as much as what's happening on the pitch. And uh, and like you say, if the money's going on, on, in the first team, then I'll be happy with that. That's where it needs to go for me. So, yeah, I think we were 
of similar mind when when it came to to responding to the forum. But then, having said that, um, I, you know, I don't want to cheapen the, the the fact that we have got the opportunity to to talk about the other things, the things that impact on the fans directly, like I say, facilities around the ground, things to do with the fan zone, things to do with the catering, the food and drink. There'll be a lot of people listening who've got kids, and it's probably a bit more important for them to have options, things to do at half time for the kids, food and drink, that kind of stuff. I can remember when I was a kid, half the attraction of going, it wasn't just a game, it was crawling in at uh, nutters around the corner from the turf before, getting a bag of wine gums. Those are the kind of things that stick with you when you're a kid, I think, a bit more than when you're an adult. So, um, yeah, things like that, I suppose. um, There'll be more of a priority for people who like us, uh, you know, youngish, I say youngish blokes, childless in our our late 20s, early 30s. So uh, I suppose that's why we should really direct people to to go for the survey and and to have their own say, Um, even if if you're not passionate particularly about the match day experience like we are or... If you are, it's uh, it's a good opportunity from the club, and uh, it's nice to have it there. Yeah, definitely, Tom. I think you made some valid points. So going back to children, I think producer Matt mentioned the point about he's got two young kids, and you know they they want a bit more going around the ground because you know kids will get bored for two hours sitting there just watching a game of football. I think my 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 memory was, and and I mentioned it to you, was about going into the elite training centre before the game, taking a footy. And just having a kick about in there, just something as simple as that. Um, you know, getting me. I remember one of my first memories of Burnley is when Ian Wright made his debut, and I got my face painted Claverton blue, and that was brilliant. You know, and I didn't want to wash it off. You know, so I, you know, I wanted to go into school on Monday morning with Ian Wright on me. Just little things like that attract kids, and um, not that I'm comparing, and I want it to be the same because I'm not a massive fan of them. But I went to Brighton at the start of last season. Don't I think it was it was at the very start. It was when Hendrick scored a last minute equaliser. And don't get me wrong, it was a nice day and it was a you know these big new stadiums. But I was very very impressed with what they had around the ground to do. You know, I had I had a penny shootout. You know, just thought well why not? You know, <laughs> and, 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 and he ended up beating a teenage uh, a spotty teenage Brighton fan, which was always a bonus. Uh, you know, just little things like that. I think, imagine, Tom, if they had something as simple as a couple of, like, things where you can have a penny shootout against maybe one of the, you know, against, you know, a coach, a member coaching staff at Bird. You know, something like that for kids. I, I think that would be improved. One thing I did actually emphasise was, and this is something I would buy, if they just had chips, we could just buy chips at half-time. <laughs> did he put that on the form? Just chips? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. Just chips, that's all. Yeah, but I'm the same as you, Tom. It's kind of there is a wider spectrum, and there's and, and there's different people. Obviously, you know the you know the facilities for toilets aren't great. You know you're queuing up for ages at half time. I know when I you know my missus doesn't go watching a lot, but when she's gone, she's complained about the standard of, of toilets and stuff like that, which obviously as males we're not as bothered about, but I think that's really important too. So the you know I, I think for maybe younger fans. More so than us who's just hooked by the football. I think I think that's maybe what they're trying to do. So I think it's all good. And as you said, it literally takes ten minutes to do. If you've got a spare ten minutes over the weekend, just just go and do it. At the end of the day, you know, you as a fan, you want to feel valued and uh, and you want to have a little bit of a voice. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we move on, Richard, can I ask? Uh, you may have won the penalty shootout with that Brighton fan, but what was the XG for the Brighton yeah. fan? 
Oh, well, he hit the bar, he hit the post. The keeper made a save in the top <laughs> corner. So his XG was... Uh, he only had five penalties, but his XG was 9.2. <laughs> That's the real victory, mate. That's the real victory. England job for Graham Potter. Yeah. Potter's army. Potter's army <laughs> on the XG trail. There's some nonsense that gets written, isn't there? Potter for England. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I mean, like... Three points behind Burnley still. Yeah. England XG World Cup winners 2020. Bring it on. Uh, I know the... Um, the podcast title this week, you know, the, the pint in the packet of crisps, uh, a little reference to Dyche's uh, pre-match comments about Nick Pope, uh, you know, it's 50 million quid, but he'd sell him for a pint in the packet of crisps. I don't know about you, Rich, I just want to throw this out there. Do, do, is it just me who thinks he's maybe not that funny? Maybe I, I wouldn't mind him just going back to like, just a few boring press conferences where he doesn't come up with some wacky line. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm getting a bit bored of it now. <laughs> cynic, the cynic in you. Yeah, I, I think it actually shows that he's more happy. I think he looks more relaxed in his press conferences. You know, going back to, you know, remember his, confer- um, his interviews and his press conferences pre post lockdown, um, you know, when when obviously him and Garlic fell out. I, I actually found them really difficult to watch because it was blatant to see he wasn't happy. So I think it's, you know, I think it's quite nice to see him a lot more relaxed. I think with his manner the last few weeks, and he said positive noises about ALK. He's obviously mentioned about he's got some more meetings about Alan Pace, but the building a relationship. You know, one of Dyche's about getting everything aligned. He's mentioned that too. So it gives me more confidence that he will, look in long term, that he will sign that new contract, which I think at the end of the day is vital for us, isn't it? I like that. That's a positive spin on it. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm relentlessly cynical. I don't know. Keep it up then, Dice. Keep keep being happy in the press conferences. Um, yeah. All right. Let's have a look at the Arsenal game. Um, I don't know. I don't know. How you, I feel like a lot of um, your pre-match optimism or otherwise is dictated by the last game went. So I don't feel like too many people are optimistic about the Leicester game. But after that performance, you've got to be confident that we can get something out of these. Yeah, Arsenal's a funny one, isn't it? Because, you know, sometimes you want, and probably that's why they're around mid-table. Again, they've got some very good players. They've definitely improved since the last time we played them at the Emirates. Seems like Arteta's got rid of a lot of the deadwood or bad influences. And, and you know, and obviously they got a really good win against Leicester, but he won 3-0 at the weekend. And they've got, they've had a bit of a break midweek, I think. Arsenal's not playing this week, so... That, that may help them. Um, but, like us, you know, when, when, when back to before, Wood and Vidra up front together, they'll have a lot of confidence. You know, and I always fancy us at, at the turf. I think we may have not won since Aston Villa at the turf, maybe. I think I'm right there. But at the end of the day, we've not lost in a while either. So, it'll be a close, competitive game. You know, what I just really want us to do was you know, against these lot who are soft as out, just just get stuck into it, make it physical, make it a battle, you know. But that doesn't mean just play, you know, aimless hoofs up the pitch, but get in and around and make it difficult for them. You know, we always say if, you know, if Arsenal start whinging, you know, probably sim- similar to what Sayuncu was doing last night, it, it, it knows, you know, we're getting under the skin a little bit. So, yeah, I'm confident. Um, but I think with our form, you know, there's a good chance of it being a draw. 
which I wouldn't sniff at, you know, keep just accumulating these points, especially in this tough run with the gap we've got over Fulham and then obviously going to Anfield away next. Uh, but yeah, listen, I'm going to, I always like to be positive on the podcast. I presume you get into it, but I'm going to bat Burnley to, to win that game. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm minded like you, I think. I, I, I can see you getting something easily. I think if you'd have offered me two, three points before the, before yeah, out of Tottenham, Leicester, Arsenal, and Everton, I'd have took that. Um, just keep it ticking over. So if, if we can avoid defeat, I think that'll be a good outcome. But yeah, no reason that we can't look to win it. I think they're, I think their frailties as ever are at the back. I think if Ward has a game against, especially someone like David Luiz, like he did against her, aren't you? Then uh, we're going to get some tantrums. We're going to get some fireworks. So yeah, they they are beatable for me. And and if you put in a beatable team up against us at home. If we can pull a performance out, then we've got a chance of, of a win. So yeah, I'd be I'd be cautiously optimistic going into that one, but I'm with you. Like a point is, is not a bad result, and it keeps it ticking over. Especially Fulham have got is it? I can't remember if it, it's one of Liverpool or Man City this weekend, isn't it? So you, you'd fancy them to get beat in that one. So if we can get a point, yeah, they've got Liverpool away. Liverpool away, there you go. So I mean, not the fortress it once was. Yeah, yeah. So they've got Liverpool away this weekend and City at home weekend after. Yeah, there you go. So even a point or two out of the Arsenal and Everton games, you'd imagine is going to push us that little bit further clear of the relegation zone. So yeah, that that like you say, steady Eddie, keep picking up points. Uh, and yeah, I, I I'm still pretty pretty optimistic that we're not gonna we're not going to be in any trouble come the end of it and the end of the season. Should we have a prediction then just to round it off? I know you said you fancied a win. Yeah, just looking long term, I just I think we'll stay up, but I hope we do it a bit more convincingly. I know staying up, staying up, we just don't limp over the line. Um, but end of the day, it is what it is. Um, prediction. Yeah, I'm going to go, well, you know, I thought we should have, I thought we was going to hold on to our lead last night, so I'm going to go 1 0. Um, I think Wood will get his goal this weekend. So, like I said, I've been critical of Woody this season, so I'm going to back him to get the the goal in a 1-0 win. Like that, like that. But I think it'll be one all actually. <laughs> <laughs> Cover all bases, yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, a boring 0-0 yeah. wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. But I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say another exciting game. I'll have a 2-1. Uh, I think I fancy McNeil to score a proper one. He's only got one this season, and it was that light fluky cross that went in the far corner. So, I'll have McNeil to score a proper one. And, uh, yeah, I think Woods do a goal, like you say. And then Aubameyang will probably punch one in or something like that and somehow VAR will miss it. And, uh, <laughs> by the way, I will absolutely bite your hand off for limping over the finish line and staying up. I don't care how we do it as long as we stay up, I'll be happy. Yeah, I just don't think, because as you know, Tom, I'm more emotionally unstable than you. So I don't <laughs> think I could cope with it being close the last few games of the season. I thought of, I was thinking about this today, actually. Like, I think every time, every season we've been in the Prem, it's never gone down to the last day. We've always either been relegated or safe by the final day. So a little part of me would would not mind too much. So if we're, let, I mean, let's not have it too difficult. Let's be three points above the drop zone come the last day. And we need a point against Sheffield United just to be mathematic, mathematically safe. Just for a little bit of spice on the final day. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind too much. I mean, obviously, I'd rather be safe a bit earlier than that, but I guess it would mix it up a bit. <laughs> no, I'd rather be 10 points clear. I'm boring. <laughs> I can't deal with that level of spice in my life. 
Like I said, I'd have a breathe now. <laughs> More of a, a lemon and herb kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> what, I've, what I've been saying is, is that this season's been difficult, hasn't it? Squad, not going to games, fixture congestion. I just really want to be at Turf Moor in August next season and we're a Premier League club. That's what I really want. So please, please just keep the points ticking over and let me let me watch us against um, you know against a Premier League side rather than you know rather than Norwich again. No, no, they're going up rather than like Luton or something. Or, <laughs> mm, or Preston, <laughs> and they beat us first game back at Turf. Inevitable, isn't it? Do you know what, Rich? I think that's a very good place to leave it. Thanks very much. It's been nice chat. Cheers, Tom. Look after yourself. Yeah, good chat. Um, yeah, look after yourself, Maitland. Cheers, listeners. Let's hope for you know another exciting game of the weekend and hopefully three points to really start the weekend well. Absolutely. Here we go. Up the Clarets. Take care. So many thanks to Rich and to Tom for giving up their time to analyse those last two matches and everything else that's been going on at the club over the last seven days. Natalie and Dave will be here later on today with your preview show ahead of tomorrow's clash against Arsenal. And the main show will be back next week to look back at that match against Arsenal and look forward to the match against Everton. Stay safe, Clarets, and we'll see you all very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.